it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer and the brewing industry and have a conversation with the people who make the industry what it is and see what we can learn from them. And this week, I speak with Brendan Day from Western Australia's Cheeky Monkey Brewery. With the entire industry looking at ways forward and industry consolidation being a very hot talking point, this week, Cheeky Monkey announced that it was acquiring Sound Brewing Company, which is currently in administration. Brendan and I discussed that acquisition and Cheeky Monkey's plans for the newly combined businesses, but we also go back and talk about the origins and growth story of Cheeky Monkey that includes the state of brewing in Western Australia and the opportunities for and challenges around growth more generally. This is a terrific chat and one that I now wish I had had much sooner, given Brendan's insights and thoughtfulness. As we often say on the podcast, answers can be hard to come by and are often very subjective. But in this conversation, Brendan generously shares his calculations and working that we can all see and that are relevant to all in the industry. I hope you enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. Brendan Day, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. G'day, Matt. Thanks for uh, having me on. Pretty excited. <laughs> Mate, it, it, look, it, it, it's a long overdue chat um, with, with Cheeky Monkey because you guys have been doing uh, you know, so much over the last couple of years that we, we really should have spoken to you beforehand. But this week, there's, there's been a major announcement. There, there has been a major announcement, and to be fair to you guys, Maddie, we've been a uh, a bit amateur with our media releases and stuff. So there was probably times where we should have shouted out, and made our own noise about some of the cool stuff we were doing. So. Um, yeah, glad we've got the opportunity to chat today. Funnily enough, that's one of the things I wanted to uh, to, to talk to you about. Um, yeah. Uh, because yeah, there, there have been a couple of there. Uh, anyway, we, we, we'll get to that. Um, I, I don't know whether to bury the lead. Um, and just go back and start with, you know, who is Brendan Day? But we, we might do that and then build up to the uh, acquisition of Sound Brewing. Yeah, great, great. I'm more than, more than happy to do that. Um, I, I guess for myself, I've been in the beer industry for quite a while. Um, just before I got into the beer industry, I was, I was actually in mining, um, you know, doing the, the WA FICO thing, which I think just about everybody in WA has a crack at at some point. <laughs> Um, but I, I did that for about six years and, and I was really enjoying it. And then I started doing um, emergency response um, training and, and working with the emergency response team just in a, you know, a one day a week volunteer capacity. And, um, you know, I did all the fun stuff. You know, I, I did underground search and rescue, firefighting, you know, got to play with the cool toys. Um, but my team captain uh, at the time wanted me to be a team leader and he really challenged me to do the medical first responder part, um, which I, I didn't want to do at all. But he talked me into it and I, and I had a crack and I ended up getting MDP for that course. And it, it just kind of changed my mindset. Um, and so I wanted to leave mining and, and I did. I went back to study as a mature age student um, and enrolled in preclinical human bio and was doing practice runs at the GAMSAT and stuff. Um, and that's where I thought my life was heading. It's also where, you know, my, my now partner 
um, and bless her, she's been very supportive. That's where she thought my life was heading as well. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had to get some part-time work and I was already homebrewing a lot and, and very involved, you know, with, with the homebrewing stuff. And I uh, got a job at Maine Liquor um, in, a, in a part-time capacity and I just, I fell in love with the beer industry. Um, I, I went from Maine Liquor, I, I got a job doing part-time sales repping for Redwood Distribution. Just before you go on with your, your career, what was it about the brewing? Because, you know, there's so much talk about passion. As a listener to the podcast, you would have heard us talking about, you know, the passion trap and uh, some of the challenges with that. But it, it is something that snares people's hearts. Um, what was it about the brewing industry that you fell in love with? It is something that snares people's hearts. And it's, it's I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not an outlier in, you know, being somebody that had a very different career trajectory and just just fell in love with it. And and you're right, unfortunately, you know, passion has carried some of the weight um, in a negative capacity in the industry. So particularly um, coming from mining, I'd imagine that the money on offer in the craft <laughs> brewing industry wouldn't be the uh, sort of dollars that you come to expect in FIFO. No, it's not. And and again, to be fair, when I was thought I was going to go into medicine, um, this is also a very different life. And that's what I had to sit down and tell my partner. I'm like, look, I, I want to transfer or have a try at least of of deferring medicine and, and do some B-law and commerce because, you know, I thought that could support um, business and, and growth within the beer industry. And, um, you know, she said it was fine, but I, I was like, no, look, you actually need to think about this because this is a very different life. And uh, she asked me if I knew what I was doing and I said, not really. Um, and then she asked me if I was having fun with it. I said, yes, I am. And so we decided it would all work out. Um, it, it, it is part of that fun. It's it's part of the experience. There's something I've found in, in craft beer particularly, um, whatever that means these days, <laughs> um, that I've only ever found in, in sporting clubs, and it's a very high level of camaraderie. Um, and for me, somebody who's always had a passion about, you know, good teams and, and people working together, um, that part of the industry was just so attractive to me. I mean, even even now, you know, and, and again, Cheeky's no, you know, we're no outlier in this. All, I, I think all breweries I know of do this. You know, if we run out of boxes because we haven't ordered them or freight's late, you know, we can call up one of our neighbours at Rocky Ridge or Beer Farm or whoever and they'll lend us boxes, um, you know, and it's it's causing a disruption to their business, but they'll look after us and we try and do the same. And, you know, in, in the reality, they're a direct competitor of ours, um, but they're helping us to get through. Um, we actually did that. I, I used the boxes for a reason. We, we borrowed some boxes from... Um, Blaster, and I, I rang up Mike Morgan when he was at Blaster. I said, "Man, look, we've actually just ran our boxes. Can you help us out?" So they sent down a, a half pallet or a pallet or whatever it was of boxes, and on top of it was a carton of beer. And you know they've done a favour to us, but with that favour, they've actually sent us some beer at the same time. And um, yeah, that level of camaraderie, I just, I don't know. It's it's pretty rare and, and unique, I think. Um, and, and I know on the podcast, you know, you guys have been talking about 
you know the enemies out there it's, it's not your local brewer and um i i just couldn't agree with that more because it was such a a fundamental cornerstone of my love for for the brewing industry do you think that that camaraderie is under pressure though you know we are seeing you know a lot of businesses being pressured individually and then that does change the thinking a little bit you know we become a little bit more self-focused um, which I, I guess by definition means selfish in a way um, do, have you found that there's been any pressure on that level of collaboration look yes yes and no it, it, there's definitely yes um, and, and I think you guys have identified some of the, the good reasons in the past and there are some you know more negative conversations that are happening now and and i get it it's it's easier for everyone to be friends when everything's all good um but i wouldn't say it's you know like it hasn't flipped for the negative but it certainly has changed um and i really just hope it it doesn't continue to to change drastically um because yeah it would certainly i think it'd be a really sad day for the industry if if it became more like any other industry well let's um again i actually i don't think we finished uh talking about you so you got into the the, the brewing industry and there's part of me that having heard how supportive your partner was that wants to turn this into a relationship podcast to find out how uh, <laughs> how, how how that works but we'll we'll yeah. talk about you um so what was your progression into your your current role yeah so i, I did sales with with redwood distribution for a while um, and they, they were, a, you know, a fantastic company and had such a great portfolio of beers. Um, you know, at the time in WA, they had Le Seren, they had Almanac, they had Knee Deep, they had Anderson Valley, um, just some amazing beers. So I, ha- I was able to have a lot of fun with that. Um, but then an opportunity ar- arose with Cheeky Monkey and I've, I've always, always also loved um, the local beer industry um you know little creatures pills back when i was a young man was one of my favorite beers um hop hog was an epiphany beer for me um so the chance to to do sales with a local um brewery even though i was based in perth and for the listeners that don't know cheeky monkeys based in the margaret river region so it's a three-hour drive away um but to be able to connect with a local brand and represent a local brand was was pretty exciting so i started as as their first sales person i think it was eight or nine years ago um we we evolved and, and grew as a business so I, I became sales manager um then i took on some product development work um because i've always loved that innovative side of, of the industry um and then i got an opportunity um to, to take on an operations role uh, and we moved down south so again we won't talk about my partner too much but <laughs> we moved we moved the family down south um you know for this opportunity and um while it's, it's been great for us as a family it's you know the southwest is such a beautiful region um yeah I, again i did have that support for us to make that decision um and then a year or two ago, um, I was offered a, a director's position within the business, which um, you know, I'm really proud of, um, you know, and and people, it's a bit of a cliche if you find, you know, 
if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I think I'm working harder than I ever have. That's my standard um, answer to, to that uh, <laughs> statement is you, you, you'll never work harder, but maybe you know if you're lucky, you'll get more satisfaction. Yeah, and, and not only that, I, I find the, the rough days are a little less rough um, because you're working towards something you really believe in. So it's a little bit easier to pick yourself up and dust yourself off some days. But, um, yeah, that's just briefly, that's kind of my, my progression through the industry. Um, really lucky um, to have found a company that, that I love working for and, and be offered that director's position. It's been a, a very cool journey. I'm just looking at your LinkedIn profile, you started uh, as National Sales and New Product Development Manager in January 2017. That's a yeah. pretty significant role. I mean, sales is something that constantly amazes me that the, you know, the, the, the personal qualities and the skills that are involved in you know, sales in any um, business, but particularly beer, um, it, it, it is a huge one. Where did you get those skills from to, to take on a role like that? Um, probably just faked it till I made it a little <laughs> bit, to, to be honest. I've, I've always enjoyed, um, you know, conversing with people. I'm, I'm a pretty naturally outgoing person. Um, so I was able to do the relationship forming bit pretty well. And I think because I had such a genuine love um, of, of the product and the industry in general as well, that, that makes you a little bit more endearing as a person rather than, you know, the stereotypical used car salesman. Um, so I was always able to forge some pretty good relationships um, and had the support of, of the business. And then very lucky that the sales team that, that we developed um, were also, you know, really good. Um, Ashley Allen, our head of sales now, is probably a better salesperson than I ever was, to be honest. So, yeah, there was a lot of, I, I guess, natural figuring it out on the job. Um, but a couple of years ago, we also... Um, got Scotty Player in as a bit of a sales and business consultant. And, um, you know, for, again, for listeners who may not know who he is, which I'd be astounded if there's any, to be honest, um, you know, he was very instrumental at Gage Roads and Matzo's and helped with the stadium deal for Gage. So he really brought a new level of um, professionalism and maturity to the way we went about things. Um, so I was very grateful for my time that I got to spend with Scotty. He definitely helped us, um, yeah, quite a bit. So just talk us through what your role entails now. Oh, that changes day to day. Um, <laughs> bit, of, bit of a firefighter. Um, I'm, I'm also one of those people that, um, you know, is excited by, by new challenges. So um, I get to get, you know, spend a fair bit of time with marketing, with the sales team, with the hospitality team with Brent Burton, who's the managing director working on business stuff. Um, so, yeah, I cover a little bit of everything and just, just try and keep the ship on track, really. Um, heavily focused on, on marketing and brand at the moment um, and have been very grateful that some of the more sales-focused duties, um, Ashley, uh, again, our head of sales, has been able to start to take some of that work off me um, and it's been pretty exciting to be able to delve a little bit deeper into marketing and brand and, and hospitality. So tell us a, a little bit about uh, Cheeky Monkey. You know, I, I guess you guys have got a fairly good, uh, you know, 
brand awareness in, in, in WA, but possibly not so much, you know, on this side of the Nullarbor. So tell us you know, about the backgrounds and origins of, of the brewery. Yeah, so Cheeky Monkey started as a, as a brew pub in Margaruba. Um, it opened in 2012, um, so we've been operating for 11 years or so um, out of that site. Um, and it did very well as, as a brew pub. Um, you know, 11 years ago, the, the scene in Margaruba was quite different to what it is now. Um, you know, there wasn't the level of breweries um, and, and there also wasn't the level of venues or establishments doing quite, I don't want to say inclusive, but, but very yeah, inclusive and family-friendly kind of offerings. Um, you know, back then it was not every venue had the, the big kids' playground and it was designed as, you know, these quite welcoming spaces, even if they were very high level and very, very good. Um, so we always did well out of Caves Road. Um, and then we started in the wholesale um, space about nine years ago, still operating out of Caves Road. Um, you know, went into cans, had a canning line out there. Um, and then as we kept growing, um, we're looking for, you know, to increase our efficiencies, our capability, um, handle some stuff, you know, a little bit easier. Um, you know, wastewater treatment is a huge thing on these farm style breweries and requires a lot of investment to do it right. Um, so we built a production facility in the, in the industrial area in Bass, um, and we've been here for about four years now, um, and that's where we make the vast majority of our beer. And then about a year ago, we actually expanded our footprint. We bought the block next door, and we turned that into more of a cool room and logistics side because we had drastically underestimated the size of the cool room we were going to need. Um, and that was a bit of a pain every day. So to have a, an appropriately sized cool room now is a uh, very nice, nice thing to have. Just reading, I mean, again, just uh, scanning, Brews News always provide, you know, I should say this about my own site, but I always find it fascinating to go back and look at the headlines that, that relate to any one brewery. And I'm just sort of looking at the, the headlines since uh, April 2019. Cheeky Monkey unveils major expansion. Uh, 2020 jobs growth for Cheeky Monkey as it invests in research and development. Uh, 2021 government funding for Cheeky Monkey expansion. Um 2021 uh, Cheeky Monkey rebrands again. It just sounds like for a, you know, a, a brewery that has been going through you know constant growth and development um, over the last four or five years. Yeah, yeah, and look, it definitely feels that way too. My beard is much greyer um, <laughs> than when I started with the business, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, no, we, we have constantly evolved and, and tried to grow um, the, the production facility was definitely a big one. Um, we were, you know, very lucky to get some government funding from the Department of Primary Resource and Industries, which helped expand our packaging line. Um, you know, in amongst that last five years, we also won our AVO Champion um, Small Brewery Trophy as well, which the whole team was incredibly proud of. So, um, yeah, when, when you just read the headlines, it's no wonder I feel a little bit tired. <laughs> um, but it's, it's been a really cool ride and how's you know again as, as a podcast listener but as somebody who's in the industry you'd be having these conversations generally 
how is the market going in WA and how, how are things going for uh, Cheeky Monkey as a business? Yeah, look, it, it is it is challenging um, at the moment and you've, you've really got to stay in tune with what's, what's happening. Um, you know, we, we quite often talk about, you know, running our own race, but keeping a good, good eye on what everyone else is doing and what's happening, but really focusing on just running our own race. Um, but it, it, it is certainly challenging. Um, the, the package market, so, you know, your off-prem stuff is, is quite hectic at the moment um, and, and not in a great way. Um, but the hospitality sector in, in WA at the moment is is performing really strongly. Um, and, you know, even with those challenges, we've just had a couple of, you know, really, really good months, um, you know, potentially some of our best months ever, to be honest. Um, but it certainly is challenging out there. Just the, the number of breweries, number of releases, you know, bottle shop guys seeing 50 new releases every week. Um, cutting through all that noise, keeping shelf space, making things that people want um, while consumer confidence is is down. Um, yeah, it's quite challenging, but, you know, I, and I'll echo, you know, I know Dave from Akasha was talking about their hospitality and people still wanting experiences. Um, I, and I think that's ringing pretty true over here. People are probably less inclined you know, to buy a mixed cube of, of all limited release or spend that extra money on on taking beers home. But when they go out, they still want to meet with friends and they want that quality food and beverage offering. Um, and and that's, a place, uh, that's a place that we play into really well with our, you know, very casual offering but high quality. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're having some good success hospitality-wise and in the on-premise market with kegs. Um, but even that's not without its challenges. You know, there's there's some really, really cheap kegs going out at the moment, um, which makes things very difficult. So challenging, but we're, we're feeling okay, I, I guess, in short. I mean, that's a story I'm hearing a lot at the moment. Um, you know, businesses, uh, you know, I'll call it dumping because that seems to be what it is, um, you know, without going into the reasons for it. But is Cheeky Monkey set up to be a wholesale business or primarily a, uh, you know, a, a hospitality business? A bit of both. Um, we definitely had our eyes very set on wholesale. And if you go back to a previous um, rebrand that we did, you know, when we went through workshopping, um, we talked about being the number one craft brewery in the country and these are our kind of goals, whereas we've definitely reset our focus now and we're very focused on WA, um, which might play into, you know, us not being as recognisable across the Nullarbor as some other brands. Um, and that's not to say we don't send beer over east or, you know, we do export a little bit, little bit of beer to Singapore as well, um, but we are very WA-focused and... Um, we see the hospitality sector for Cheeky being an integral part of that. Um, it is a chance for people to really experience our brand, to try new beers, um, you know, share those good times with with mates and loved ones or by themselves with a book or whatever it might be. Um, so hospitality will continue to play a very important part in our growth. Um, 
yeah, I, I guess what our goal is now is almost to be like the number one beverage and hospitality group in Western Australia um, as a, you know, a lofty goal. <laughs> there's, um, I, there's a bit of competition in, in, in that space. There is a lot of competition in that space, but you need something to reach for. Um, so, yeah, it, it, hospitality will play a very significant piece of our business um, as, it, as it has and, and will continue to. Um, but also, you know, with our production facility, you know, it, it is capable of, of doing roughly two and a half million litres a year. So um, we will continue to focus on that as well. We're edging towards the, the, the news now, and I'm, I'm glad we went this way because I think it's uh, all building towards something. How are you finding, you know, quite apart from the, 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 the price of kegs, um, you know, wholesale involves getting, you know, tap points um, and you've got a very competitive market over there um, given the number of breweries, but then also packaged beer um, and, and, and getting that out. How are you finding both of those uh, elements of, of, of the wholesale market at the moment? Yeah, the, the package one is, is probably maybe even our bigger challenge at the moment just because we almost had it so good for so long and, and that's very you know, reductionist. It, it was always um, required a lot of effort. But if you go back five or six years, you know, we would do a limited release. Um, it would require very little marketing. Um, we'd send out an EDM. And, and back in those days, it wasn't even a proper EDM. It was just me emailing everyone. Um, and and those limited releases would basically just, just sell itself out. Um, whereas that's just not the case anymore. Um, again, as I said, retailers might be seeing 50 new beers a week. They, they might not even open your EDM. Um, so that has certainly presented a challenge. Um, but we we feel our limited release strategy is important to our, our larger brand piece. So we're you know trying to evolve that as we go forward. Um, the core range stuff is is difficult. I mean, we've positioned ourselves in a way. Um, you know, to try and have the best success. And, um, you know, we've had a double IPA as part of our core range for a number of years now, back when there was, you know, maybe no one in WA that had a everyday core range double IPA. There were certainly some good, you know, kind of semi-core double IPAs and stuff happening. But um, so we've always tried to position ourselves for, you know, success, um, whatever that meant at, at the time. Um but you know we've got a great beer in our in our XBA, um, you know, and that's won champion trophies at both the Abers and PRBS, and um, it is that you know it's our version of a, a fridge filler. It's very drinkable. It's it's well balanced. It's it's sub five percent. It's it's a great beer. But the the market pressure within that space is is just so intense. Um, so trying to grow these lower cost, more sessionable beers is is also a real challenge. Um, and then, yeah, on, on on-premise, yeah, some really, you know, low price kegs happening, some very aggressive tap contracting happening. Um, but, you know, we've, as a team, never, never wanted to engage a race to the bottom. So we've held our, you know, our stance pretty firmly and, and tried to rely on, um, you know, good delivery of service, good delivery of quality, producing stuff that consumers want. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're doing okay, but it's it's certainly challenging. 
And and what do you think the the the, the challenges in both of those spaces are, are? Consumers changing. You know, craft beer is certainly past that. You know, early adopter phase. You know, it's well past the early adopter phase, but it's well past that sort of you know market penetration phase where uh, you know I, I think everybody in the industry was predicting that craft beer would become you know, a, a, a much more significant part of the broader beer market than I think it ever became. Um, and we are starting to see, you know, even the craft, you know, dyed-in-the-wool craft brands play into the mainstream beer space. Um, but is it consumers are changing? There's not new consumers coming in or have the has the infrastructure um, of, of the industry changed a little bit where the, the major retailers aren't as open to taking on as many brands um, as perhaps that they once did? Yeah, it, it is a weird little little period and, and um, something we challenge our team on quite a lot is, is you know, recognising data sets or biases of data sets or limitations of data sets that you're looking at. So we are careful to extrapolate too much out of you know, the last six months alone. Um, You're singing my certain... song there, uh, yeah. <laughs> as you would know <laughs> from the podcast. I do, I do. Um, but, yeah, there, there is certainly some some changes in the industry. Um, you know, and there's, there's some data that I'd, I'd love to get a hold of, of, you know, demographics versus people with mortgages and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, is it is it just consumer confidence at the moment and hopefully we'll come out of the other side of that or is it, uh, you know, a systemic shift in in consumers come you know not coming into the craft beer industry, um, which you know would be a really real shame because you know the craft beer industry certainly hasn't been perfect, um, but I, I feel like it's trying to do a lot of good work in in that inclusive space, being welcoming, um, creating new experiences. So it would be really sad if if younger people coming in weren't you know relating to those experiences or enjoying them but it's something that i think as an industry we need to keep our finger on the pulse um yeah i don't i don't have the exact answer for you to be honest but i don't think anyone does but (laughs) as as i always like to say i like to see people's working if uh even if they don't have the answer yeah so, which is starting to bring us uh towards the the big announcement this week and when wholesale is a hard slog, um, and, and you've you've talked about growing hospitality, hospitality, you know, isn't as open ended growth as wholesale. You know, if you've got a strong brand and you're getting picked up um, in keg and tap space, you, you can grow not quite exponentially, but you've got you know a, a huge open space to to grow into. Whereas with hospitality, it, growth is a little bit self limited in any one venue, isn't it? Yeah, that that's correct. Um, you know, if you're in the wholesale market and you do well, you can get your beers on shelves in other states, and and you know, and you can do really well out of it. And we've seen breweries do really well out of that. And we've also seen, you know, breweries that haven't done so well with that because you know, it is always hard going into a, a new territory if there's no relevance to the product, there's no locality, you don't have a team on the ground. Um, it's it's and this may also be changing, but it's it's always been easier to get beer on shelves than it is to get it off shelves. Um, and so while hospitality may be limited in its growth, like primarily geographically, um, we feel that it's it's very important 
not just for the venue and, you know, for margin over the venue and revenue in the venue, but for our brand, if we can really take ownership and build ourselves as part of local communities, um, that does really good stuff for our brand and, and hopefully helps build that brand engagement. Which then, uh, and again, I'll... I'll maybe get you to talk us through uh, what the news is. I've got a media release that I can read um, and we'll be talking about it on the podcast on Thursday. But <laughs> yeah. tell us, so uh, Cheeky Monkey has uh, acquired um, Sound Brewing Company, uh, which had been in administration, and I'll, I'll admit it was one that we weren't terribly uh, aware of on, the, on this side of the uh, continent. So talk us through what happened there. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, I love a good tangent as much as yourself, Matt. So before I go into that, I think it is a good good reminder for those breweries who are talking about, you know, other breweries going into VA and, and not having to pay their ATO debts and stuff, that, that being acquired is a very real possibility of, of going through that process. You know, you may not come out of the other side. So... Um, I know it's something that's been discussed. I just just wanted to hit on that because it's it's not the way. I don't think any any responsible business should be thinking. Um, but on to the actual topic. Yep, Cheeky Monkey have acquired Sound Brewing Co. Um, Sound Brewing Co is pretty new brand, if if we want to call it that. Um, they used to be a a, a bar, a venue. Um, and then they went to install a brew kit and, and rebranded as Sound Brewing Co. They've been in that space for, well, they've been on the street and they changed venue, but they've been there for a couple of years. Um, and they entered voluntary administration, unfortunately, which is always incredibly sad. Um, just they they were trading pretty well, but the conditions out there are pretty tough. Um, and Cheeky Monkey had, we, we had been exploring sites in Perth for at least the last 18 months pretty seriously. Um, I've looked at a number of sites in Perth and, and as well as Brent, um, the managing director, um, and we found some that could have worked, you know, some that were too small, some that would have been amazing, but, you know, we don't have seven or $8 million to, to fit it out the way it would needed to be done. Um, so when this popped up on our radar, we wanted to go have a look at it. Um, and I think they were doing quite a lot almost right. Um, they've got an incredibly engaged local community. Um, it's part of a little hospitality street attached to Rockingham Centre, which is a pretty significant shopping centre down there. Um, so, yeah, we were excited uh, by the opportunity um, to, to come in and establish our first um, footprint outside of the southwest, and is this part of the you know, that that growth was where growth from any one venue is uh, limited? Um, this is a way to 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 grow in. I would imagine, and you know, happy for you to tell us how much you know, what what the commercial arrangements were. <laughs> you know, he said not expecting an answer, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, was this a way to efficiently um, you know get that? added scale, um, you know, w- w- without paying the, 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 the cost you would have had to if you, uh, you know, had a greenfield um, opportunity? Yeah, look, it, it certainly was. It wasn't, it wasn't in our thinking or in our strategy to target, you know, either this kind of venue or, or businesses in VA, certainly. Um, 
but it, it just presented as an opportunity um, that, that we thought deserved looking into. And, and it all happened pretty, pretty quickly from there. Um, you know, again, we were able to act quickly because it was part of our business strategy to find this venue and, and potentially some more. Um, but yeah, it did present that opportunity to come in and, and the way we've negotiated, and I, I can't disclose um, any of the settlement terms because <laughs> there's, there's multiple parties involved. Um, but because it is, you know, the, the landlord, which is vicinity, which own, you know, many, many shopping centres throughout the country. And then there was the, the administrators and us. And a large focus we put on it was structuring the deal in a way that nobody lost their jobs. Um, at Cheeky, we talk a lot about social sustainability. Um, it's a term that we didn't even know it was a term when we started doing some of these activities. Um, you know, we've got an employee assistance program. Um, you know, we give birthdays, as paid days off and all these things. So building the right team and supporting a team in a, in a real manner that's not just throwing a pizza party when everyone's stressed out um, is incredibly important to us. So we were able to negotiate the deal so that none of the staff lost their jobs. So. The deal's like all done. We're just waiting on liquor license transfer to go through um, and the administrators are running it um, until that liquor license transfer is completed. Um, and then all the staff will be rehired under Cheeky that same day. Now, I, I, I've read that you're going to continue to trade um, as Sound Brewing, but eventually rebrand as Cheeky Monkey? Yes, that's correct. So a couple of things there. Well, depending on when the liquor licence transfer comes through, um, which has all been submitted and, and hopefully it's soon, but doing any kind of major works like that over Christmas and, and New Year's is always difficult to, you know, to, to at the best of times. <laughs> yes. um, so we wanted to, you know, we've engaged an architect um, who's done some really good stuff. He was involved with the new Gage Roads venue and, we just want to take our time and do it properly. So, um, again, the, the team at, at Sound Brewing have, have been doing a really good job. Um, you know, the food out there is really good. Their level of service. Um, so, it'll it'll be run as Sound Brewing for. I, I can't commit to a timeline, but three or four months, say five months, um, and then we'll shut for a couple of months while we fit it out, and it'll reopen as Cheeky Monkey Brewing Co. Rockingham. And will you brew on site there? No, the, the plan is not to brew on site um, and and to have it serviced from our production facility. Um, so there, there was a brew kit um, in the venue, although I don't think it's ever been turned on, um, which again is, is incredibly sad. But um, I mean, we've, to be honest, we've already got a brew kit we don't really use at Caves Road. Um, so having that brew kit there just it wasn't a, a part of the the strategy really. Um, so we we didn't purchase that brew kit, and I, I think the creditors are taking it back or whatever's happening there. I'm not actually sure, but um, yeah, we won't be brewing from that. Oh, side. so you didn't acquire uh, you know some of those assets? We we basically acquired everything else apart from the brew kit, oh. um, and then there's. A few encumbered kitchen assets, um, like some fires and stuff, that were um, either being loaned or um, rent to pay or, or whatever kind of system. 
so we'll we'll negotiate uh, with the creditors and suppliers on those ones. But the the brew kit, our offer didn't include an offer to purchase the brew kit. I mean, I, I, sorry, I, I hesitate because I, it feels uh, presumptuous to say, but that sounds like a sensible model um, and, and one of the things that as an observer I, I look at the talk about you know industry consolidation and amalgamation and businesses coming together and yet not realizing the efficiencies that come from multiple sites by aiming to you know pr- produce on, on each of those sites which is an incredibly expensive way of um, producing beer. Um, so yeah. it, it, it just sounds like it's a, a sensible way to, to, to go forward. Yeah, look, sensible is probably the best way. It's definitely not the most romantic. Mm. And there were points in the conversation where we were like, oh, should we be doing this? Like, you know, and we were even like thinking about brewers we could attract down. How cool would it be to work with them? And um, yeah, it's definitely not the ro- most romantic, but. Um, again, with costs of goods just going through the roof, packaging goods, ingredients, um, I think sensible is is the best way forward at the moment. Um, and we've invested quite heavily, you know, into the VAS site. Um, we installed a, you know, a centrifuge and inline carb um, filter this year. Um, so we're doing everything we can to, to try and be as efficient as possible so we can keep selling out beer at a reasonable price. Um, and kind of just make it through this turbulent period. I just wanted to pick up on that idea of romance. Where do you think, you know, because, again, it, it, it's something that I constantly come back to, the, the, the romance and the promise and the, um, the, the, the craft beer had. And it, it, going back to the start of this conversation, it's what a lot of us fell in love with um, because at one level the liquid is the liquid, but when you infuse it with that romance and the passion and, you know, a little bit more. Um, how important do you think something like romance is to the uh, to, to, to a brand? I, look, I still think it's incredibly important, to be honest. Um, I think it is one of the, you know, the advantages craft beer had, but, you know, any advantage can quite often be a bit of a double-edged sword. So I, I still do think it's incredibly important, but, you know, if the industry is going through maturation, um, I, I think that romance just needs to be balanced with with sensible, sustainable business practices. We need to be responsible for what we're doing. We need to think in a sustainable way, and that's not just environmentally sustainable, it's business sustainable. Um, you know, we are working really hard to, you know, to grow a real business, Um you know, we never went into this doing things that may have made us more attractive um, to being bought out by one of the majors. Um, you know, we've always said, like, you know, personally, I've always said, I'm like, if I'm still here in 10 years, you know, having a good time, like, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that romanticism just needs to be balanced out. And, you know, maybe we're through the Wild West days um, you know, as, as I said, it wasn't that long ago in, in the scheme of things that we could send out an email blast and, and sell through a whole batch of limited release, whereas now, you know, we've got to consider the marketing around that, the route to market, the sales reps might need to mention it on the road. Um, so while the business continues to evolve and the industry continues to evolve, 
um, I think the craft brewers need to evolve with it. It's uh, <laughs> again, it's uh, I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know that there is a lot um, uh, about brewing. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm minded of some of the conversations I had with people like Greg Cook um, from Stone Brewing, who in the early days was an incredibly charismatic um, and passionate, uh, you know, speaker um, uh, about craft beer and what it promised, um, but became a little bit wedded to the narrative that, <laughs> that he had long after that narrative, the, the, the truth in that narrative had changed, um, if, if that makes sense. You know, some of the things that he was doing were different to what he was still saying. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I don't think that carries very well, but I think, you know, so long as stories are authentic, that, that they can survive with, with, with truth rather than, you know, um, hopeless romanticism, if, 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 if I can coin a phrase. No, yeah, and, and look, I, I probably couldn't agree more. I, I really couldn't, and that's where we've, you know, tried to be careful with what we say or, or what we do and, and tried to build a, you know, again, it comes back to building a real business and, and doing what you say. And, um, you know, we put a lot of effort, you know, as our business grows into creating things like one page of business strategies that can be disseminated um, throughout the team. And I, I mean, I've got one up on my screen right now. And one of our core values of, of how will we behave is authenticity. Um, you know, and we talk about creating products and experiences we, we believe in. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair to Greg, he probably did believe that at one point. Um, but if you don't evolve with the industry and with your business, it, it can come across as very authentic. Um, you know, I remember emailing a retailer back in my very early days about there was a stone enjoy by on shelf and it was well past its enjoy by date. Was this in the grey market years or when it was officially, uh, you know, imported? I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. To be fair, again, it could, it could have been great market. Okay. But, you know, I, I let the retailers know. I'm like, Yo, you, you know, like this is the whole point of this beer. And, I mean, they didn't really care too much about what I had to say. But, yeah, it, if, I, I think if you're not always evolving but staying true to your core beliefs, you, you can get caught out a little bit there. So we've always been pretty mindful of that or tried to be at least. So, uh, outside of the, the the acquisition, what's next for Cheeky Monkey? Oh, well, what is next? Um, look, we, we do want an, another venue um, in, in the metropolitan region. So, it's something, you know, we're kind of actively looking for again already. Um, so, that will play a big part of our, our strategy moving forward. Um, we're really trying to, to focus on improving our marketing game um, because it's something we had, you know, we again, back back in the early days, you could kind of get away with just doing cool beers, let's say, and that would do a lot of heavy lifting of your marketing for you. But um, trying to come up with a, you know, focusing on marketing and brand and, and, and the experience of who we are is a, a big focus of what we're working on. Um, and just just trying to really continue to make really good quality beer that that makes people happy um, is is what we're trying to do. That opens up, and, and the, the the last uh, topic that we we will uh, probably have time to to discuss. But that opens up something you said at the beginning, which was, you know, you haven't been terribly good at telling your story and uh, you know celebrating your successes um, over 
the, the, the last year. And I, I would argue that it's not that you haven't been good. You, you've found other ways to grow. Um, but that fascinates me because clearly Cheeky Monkey has been growing um, and, you know, it, 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 it's been sort of coming along. And I always just get, you know, w- without any data at all, this is just uh, instinct, but I see there are a couple of breweries nationally that, we at Brews News, you know, as, as as a focus point for every media release in the industry, we very rarely hear, hear from, and there just feels like there's something much more sustainable and organic in growth that comes without that constant sugar hit of attention. Um, so, I mean, comment on that um, statement, or you know, tell me a little bit about what the approach has been. Yeah, no, look, I I, I think you're right. I think if you're relying on you know, uh, even if it's just brand equity growth and it, you're not talking about volume or leaderage or, or, or whatever else or, or skew distribution, I think if your brand equity growth is just coming from those sugar hits, um, I mean, it's a pretty fragile model, um, although, you know, it can obviously be quite effective. Um, so you, you do need to toot your own horn at times, but... Also, I think if you're tooting your own horn at every little thing, um, it can come off, you know, again, as as not authentic. Um, but then, you know, if you're not tooting your own horn enough, you can also not capitalise on some really cool stuff you're doing. And, you know, your team's put in all the hard effort and you've managed to execute amongst a myriad of challenges. And then the next day, you're like, okay, what next? Um, so I think internally it's just in, as important to to celebrate success and, and it's something we've done um, in our leadership meeting. You know, we have a leadership meeting with our key personnel once a week and, and the very first item is celebrate success and you don't have to bring something to the table. You can bring 10 things if you feel like that's the week you've had. Um, but we do really encourage trying to, you know, take a moment to enjoy our wins because, when the market is challenging and it's, it's so hyper-competitive, um, I think that just what's next, what's next is one of the contributors to to burnout and and robbing people of their passion when they don't get to actually enjoy the all the cool things we do. I think the key for me is, um, from what you just said, you know, yes, you do need to talk about your story and share it and let people know, but doing it in a way that is consistent with the rest of the values um, rather than doing it for, you know, doing it in a way that probably Please. runs against it and uh, or, or is inconsistent with, with, with the, the, the story that you tell otherwise. Yeah, I think you uh, put that much more succinctly than I did, Matt. So if you want to help us out with some of our <laughs> marketing, that, that, that would be great. <laughs> uh, well, uh, congratulations uh, on on everything, cheeky monkey. Not just the uh, the, the acquisition. And uh, thank you very much. For, uh, I really appreciate the insights uh, t- today, Brendan. And uh, yeah, I, I hope it all goes well. And twenty twenty four continues to see uh, cheeky monkey go from strength to strength. Now that's awesome, mate. It's, it's greatly appreciated. And um, thanks for making the time to have a chat. And that was Brendan Day. We'll be back again this Thursday with our look at all of the news and no doubt the panel will discuss this story as well. In the meantime, thanks for listening.